welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week, me and Miss Boo take turns picking films to watch and talk about. Some are good, some are bad, but they are always fun at the Film Club. Miss Boo, how are you doing? Oh boy, and is this a film that might be good and bad at the same time? Oh yes, um, this is a interesting pick I brought to the table. <laughs> it is a very interesting pick, but to answer your first question, I'm doing good today. How are you doing? I'm doing, uh, doing pretty good pretty damn good and excited very excited we're about to talk about a movie that i think no one has seen except for me and you know apparently so go team exactly so for those wondering this week is one of my picks and that is going to be in theme with our american heroes month and that's going to be the film almost heroes for for all the people who were almost cinema heroes and also, it had heroes in the title, and I was lazy. And I was almost on board with this. Almost on board with this. But, Miss Boo. Yes. I'm going to give a little context to this film, because it requires some context. I feel like we need some old-timey music playing over while you're giving context. No, that's the circus. We'll play some real music for you guys, but continue. Yeah. So... In 1998 is when this film, Almost Heroes, came out. It comes out a year after the untimely passing of Chris Farley, its star. And it's just seen as kind of a uh, failed final film. Mm -hmm. uh, because people expected Chris Farley to go on and be the next John Belushi. And yeah. he succeeded John Belushi in the same manner, tragically. Yeah. But... The film did generally receive critically and financial, like, failure. But the audience has softened on it over the course of the last couple of years. And... Okay, I just gotta point this out. The reason I'm doing the context here is just to talk about 1998. Do you know the movies that came out in 1998? Well, I'm looking at your list right here, and at least three of those I saw in the theater. And I vividly remember. Yeah, because we have Armageddon, Saving Private Ryan, Godzilla, A Bug's Life, Mulan... Fuck's sake, The Truman Show came out this year, and that wasn't even in the top ten box office. Yeah. Yeah, and Almost Heroes made no money, like, no one saw it, and this was directed by, like, Christopher Guest. Yeah. Like, comedy royalty starred Chris Farley and Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Who, I believe, was at the height of his Friends fame. Yeah, 98, so Friends started in 94, so yeah, he was right in the middle of it. And this movie disappeared into the ether for like 20 25 fucking years until you you know we're digging up around and found it exactly i found it on vhs interesting but yes so I, I just wanted to point out that this movie came out in a very weird time yeah for this movie to exist but boo i, I want to know what's it about can you summarize the film for us real quick? Because you, this movie apparently connected to you on an emotional level, on a on a spiritual level. I thought it was stupid, but it was also very funny. Yes. So that's where it got me. Because, you know, if a movie's stupid and, you know, kind of over the top, then it's like, all right, I feel nothing. I'm moving on from here. Mm -hmm. But if you got some good humor in there, you're going to keep me hooked. Yeah. So... Story-wise, I didn't think I was going to relate because we're going back to the days of Lewis and Clark where they're discovering the country mm -hmm. and they're on a quest to, you know, really map out what America is today. Yeah. So we have our two main characters who are trying to beat Lewis and Clark to the West Coast 
and yeah. that's why the story is called Almost Heroes because they were heroes. almost as famous as Lewis and Clark. Almost, we almost would have had a Hunt and Edwards instead of a Lewis and Clark. It's true, but yeah, the story is their journey to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. We hit some bumps and interesting segues on the way. Yeah, we meet um, native tribes. We meet the uh, Spaniards, balding conquistadors, yeah, uh, crazy frontier brothels with hay-stuffed women. We cross the Rocky Mountains where there's an eagle attack. Yes, and Matt, don't piss off an eagle. I mean, that that's something that everyone should know. Yeah. not to mess whether mess around with big birds. Not Big Bird from, you know, Sesame Street, but, like, big, you know, flying birds. Don't mess with Big Bird from Sesame Street, either. He'd knock your ass out. <sighs> I mean, dude's, like, ten feet tall. I'd back off if I were you. Yes. But, yeah, that's basically what this story is. It's just this Odyssey film that uh, has a bunch of ridiculous plot beats to it, right? Yeah, and kind of like a buddy comedy, even though they're meeting for the first time mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. But towards the end, they become friends and... They're business partners, and they're going to, you know, go off and discover Europe next. Yes, on, by on crossing the... the land bridge. Yes. Yes. Walking all the way through the water to Europe. These guys aren't very bright. No, not it's, at all. It's kind of the point of the movie, I think. Yeah, but my question to you, apart from why, mm-hmm. where and when did you find this? Oh, that is a lovely, lovely question. Because we do these theme months... Months in advance, we come up with the concepts, and right away when we did this one, Dean was like, boom, I got it, almost heroes. It's not like something he just stumbled on. He had this, you know, Uh, in the holster. I had this fucker ready. Okay, so you tell us. So, I don't think it is um, a surprise to anyone out there that 90% of the reason I do these podcasts is so I can make people watch movies I have in my random dvd and vhs collection that i've accumulated over the years mm-hmm. um and this was one of those so i had this movie from my aunt and uncle probably like a legitimate 20 years ago mm-hmm. uh it was on vhs i don't know why i found it i don't know why i put it on i think it was because i saw tommy boy like that weekend and I was like, oh, Tommy Boy is awesome. This movie's super fun. This has the same fat guy in it. Awesome. I'll watch this too. And yeah, I just had the, they just gave me the VHS and that's why I had it. And I watched it a couple of times. I just remembered it really fondly from my childhood. It was kind of like Camp Nowhere in that sense. Yeah. Where Camp Nowhere I hadn't watched since fucking elementary school or middle school. This was even longer than that. So yeah, that's that's why I know what this movie is. And your aunt and uncle were like, finally, we got someone to take this movie off of our hands. We didn't know what to do with it. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? And that's why I got most Dean. of my movies. <laughs> I'll take Mo- your movies. Most movies I have gotten are people like, yo, I'm gonna like throw this away. I'm like, I'll take it. Nah, dude, this this deserves being the trash. No, 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 no. Give gives me the precious, and I it, go, it comes to my my fucking dungeon of a room filled with DVDs and movies. Yeah, there's a lot of DVDs and VHS tapes in this movie, or in this movie, in this room. Yeah. Well, but that's why I picked it. Also, it had the name Heroes in it, and you want to do cinematic heroes, and I was like, oh, well, let's do a screwball one, because this is an odd-numbered month, like there's five weeks in it. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll put like a random one in the middle to lighten the mood. And it did, surprisingly. 
It did. I watched the trailer before, you know, I watched the movie and I was like, oh God, what is he making me watch? And then I got through the movie and I'm like, okay, pretty funny. Pretty good. You're just like, this isn't a zero out of 10. This is more like a, at least a solid like six. I thought we were going to go into the negatives. Ooh. I mean, there's only ever been one movie we've watched on the podcast that I would say could go into the negatives. Eraserhead? No, no. I love Eraserhead. Solid eight out of 10. No, I'm talking about like Twilight or Adam Stanley's value. Ooh. I'll flip the coin. You don't want to fight with the Adams Family value gang. It's, it's People tr- love that movie. I don't know why. Because it's great. But let's jump into today's episode. Yes. So my first question, this is about the story. Because it's obvious that this is a historical parody film about those like frontier adventure films. And it, it explores some weird tropes of that genre. The Native Guide, the Frontiersman, Spanish mm-hmm. Conquistadors, the dandy that fancies himself an explorer i had no better adjective to to explain who matthew perry is other than a dandy and they also call him a dandy in the movie they do and and a lot of the movie feels like it was written with mad libs yeah to emphasize that the conquistadors gauntlet where they're like we're gonna have them run through coals and we're gonna have them run through like 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 stones and they're gonna have them run through (laughs) corn that was a, that was a Mad Libs script, yeah. right? Yeah, that that would work. Yeah. So my question is: Does the film feel like disjointed to you, or does it does it have kind of a flow that you can ride along with as it progresses? It's a little disjointed, mm-hmm. but then you have parts where it flows. So I, oh oh, you're gonna do one of that, you know? It does, because I mean, you know, there's some parts where it's kind of like, why is that in here, and the rest of it works with, okay, we're we're trying to get to the west. So we're on this journey, and then there's just certain parts of the movie where, like, was that really necessary? Was that, you know, drink off with the conquistadors really necessary? That's kind of how I feel. It feels like, because the movie is, is a road movie, right? Yeah. But, again, it suffers from mad lib comedy writing, where it just feels like these are sketches mm-hmm. from, like, a, an SNL, like, show. That and they I just love thrown SNL. Into it. Well, at least somebody does. Well, I mean, old SNL. I, I don't really watch, you know, current SNL, but like way back with like Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Chris Farley. I'm like, I don't think you were alive when they were on SNL. Oh, I wasn't, but there's DVDs. Ah, but of course, they, they haven't come to my dungeon yet. No, that's why I don't let Dean borrow any DVDs because I never see them again. Eh, you started not getting your chaplain stuff back, just letting oh, you know. Oh, you wait. Just you wait. But yeah, so so you would say the movie feels... It's, a little it's, it's disjointed. A, it's a mixed bag, right? Yeah. And it, it kind of sucks because the, the scenes that we do have are funny. Yeah. But the story itself makes... It, I think, I wonder if that's why the movie didn't do very well with, like, critics, is because the story just doesn't matter it's just an excuse for chris farley to, to mug for the camera and matt perry to play the straight man yeah i mean it just gives the story direction mm-hmm. you know this journey to the west coast this um because i mean matthew perry's character is just determined that he's going to beat lewis and clark because he wants to be somebody mm-hmm. and chris farley's character is just kind of like Whatever, you know, they almost hung me this morning. I got, got out of that. I got out of that. So everything from here to there is just gravy. Yeah. And oh boy, it's not gravy. The, the whole trip there. Yeah. Also, you would, um you mentioned your boy, Matthew Perry. And that was the selling point when I told <laughs> you about this movie. You're like, wait, Chandler's in this? 
No, I said Chandler and Chris Farley. Yes. Because I do love me some Chris Farley. And don't we all? So, and you, and I think you mentioned, because I don't watch Friends, but Matthew Perry was just playing Chandler this whole movie. Oh, yeah. That's why I was just like, Matthew Perry's really just being Chandler in a dandy costume. Hmm. But that was a sick coat. Oh, it was a good coat. I do like his coat. Well, now that we're on some actors, let's talk about the man of the hour, the, basically the reason I picked this pick. Mr. Chris Farley? Mr. Mr. Chris Farley, who actually passed away 25 years ago today. Or not today, but this year. Really? Yeah, I don't actually know when he passed, but he passed away in 97 or in 2022, so it's 25 years. Wow. Yeah, which is, is crazy because I looked up his his career, right, mm-hmm. watching this, because this is his last last role. Yeah. And his career didn't even didn't even span 10 years. No. Him being, like, in movies was, like, five-ish, six-ish years, something mm-hmm. like that, of him being, like, a, a major comedy star. Yeah. And he gave the world, like, Black Sheep, Tommy Boy, Beverly Hills Ninja, which, I'm, I'm gonna be real with you, some of those are not A-tier movies, but Tommy Boy is a great movie. Oh, yeah. I love Tommy Boy. Me too. I mean, how often when we go try on clothes do we do the fat guy in little clothes bit? I believe that was the first joke I made to you when we were dating. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you were trying on one of my jackets and then you almost snapped it in half. Yeah, see, <laughs> see, Chris Farley, inspiration to us all. Yes, he was. And that's Gone kind, too soon. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm picking him here. Because he might not have played a lot of cinematic heroes. He's probably not in the list of the top 1,000 cinematic heroes or geniuses. Mm-hmm. But he was an inspiration to like a whole generation of like young kids, comedians, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of, kind of thing. And he also kept uh, physical humor alive. He basically did. Because physical humor kind of was dying out. Yeah, in the it, 90s it, it was very bit. vaudevillian, and then only some people were able to really do the physical aspect, and he was, like, a master of his craft. Oh, yeah. And so my question to you, Boo, is do you think this is a good final performance for him to go out on? And do you think it is is a good performance? Do you think he would have been proud of this performance, turning it in, if he knew that this was going to be his last go? That's a pretty heavy-loaded question there. Exactly. We're getting hard-hitting. We were talking about <laughs> fart jokes a minute ago, goddammit. No, we were actually talking about poop jokes. That's true. Which is in the movie, and we will get to that. Your favorite scene. Oh my god, I lost it. But I think he put in a good performance for what they wrote. Mm-hmm. Because this movie isn't, you know, a really in-depth movie this is just kind of a a, like you said a screwball comedy yeah so he played to the part that he was meant to play and i think he probably played even further than that because that was chris farley you know he really took his emotions and actions to the top i mean his whole shtick was i'm gonna go into the room i'm gonna go a hundred and ten percent and just blast my way through every scene i'm in and that's exactly what he did in this movie yeah and I, I, I would agree with you. I think this is, for what the story is, for what the director was going for, was probably the best performance he could have given, given yeah. the material. I mean, it's I, weird, because it, it, it feels like, you know, it's just Chris Farley in old-timey clothes. He's not trying to sell that he's... In, mm-hmm. he, this is in a different time, but yeah. I don't think that's the point. No. But I don't know. It is interesting. I think it's an interesting performance. And I know at the time of his passing, when this movie came out, 
that this was supposed to be reviewed on uh, Siskel and Ebert. Yes, yes. And uh, the families reached out and asked if, you know to not review this because they didn't want them to you know tear him apart after he had just passed, and they wanted Actually, to give his family to um, you know to grieve. But it was Roger Ebert that said, you know, I'm not going to review it. But I'm going to say that he was a great actor and his craft and, you know, his, you know, area of comedy. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that the perfect role had been written for him yet. So that's how I kind of feel about this movie. He didn't hit that perfect role apart from Tommy Boy, which was amazing. It it is interesting because Tommy Boy really is the only the only film that he was in that you could unequivocally say was a good film. Yeah, you could go and ask anybody, you know. You're... Have you seen Tommy Boy? And a majority of people, oh yeah, I love that movie. You never yeah. really hear any bad reviews about it. I mean, it, it's kind of funny because I think Black Sheep was the movie that most people kind of were like, I'm off the train. Mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Ninja was the movie people were like, yo, you really needed a paycheck this bad. <laughs> and Almost Heroes is, like Almost Heroes, it's weird because this movie has an 8% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. This movie was slaughtered when it came out. I mean, let alone trying to do research for this movie, <laughs> the, the trivia stuff on IMDb was like six facts. Something like that. I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, I've never seen a movie with more than, or sorry, less than a page full of stuff to review and learn about it. And there was really nothing. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, the thing is, it's like, um, I went, I went kind of deep on this movie because, you know, the usual avenues that I generally go to, you know, like. I look at, like, two or three movie reviews, the IMDb page, and, like, some other stuff. Yeah. This movie didn't even have that shit. No. And I went kind of hardcore for this. Because I knew about the Siskel and Ebert thing, Mm -hmm. but apparently Gene Siskel was like, yo, I hate every movie that he's ever been in. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm not going to review the last one because I I would feel really bad having to do that. Which I'm glad he didn't. Yeah. And and Roger Ebert, I think Roger Ebert is right. Mm -hmm. He was a great actor, great at his craft. Really funny dude. He just never really hit that that bill murray stride mm-hmm. where you you do like stripes you do like ghostbusters you do groundhog day kind of run of good movies that you can kind of coast your career on and speaking of bill murray they considered him for the role that chris farley had in this movie they did i think they considered a bunch of people for mm-hmm. that i think chevy chase was um thrown in too which was interesting that a lot of you know people from snl were considered to be this role in the movie well i mean i think that was kind of the the time frame of mm-hmm. films back then if you were making a comedy movie easiest place to pull was from SNL. Er- early snl yeah you know that that's just how things worked but that that kind of brings me to the to the thing about like the evaluation of this movie because the film was directed by, <clears throat> sorry, mm-hmm. the film was directed by Christopher Guest. Mm-hmm. He was in Spinal Tap. He's, you know, yeah. he was an actor, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's known for being a, a comedy guy. He's known for doing comedy films. He's directed a bunch of mm-hmm. comedies. He's a funny person. He oh, wrote yeah. this script. Yeah. And this film bombed across the board yeah. on every possible level. And we watch this movie and we agree that. Yeah, it's kind of dumb, but it's got heart to it. Yeah. There are some laughs. I did. I wasn't bored watching it. No, I, I would call it stupid good. Yeah, it's it's dumb funny. Yeah. Which is is weird to quantify, but yeah, because there are movies where it's like, oh, this is too dumb, but there's some movies where like, this is so dumb, it's funny again. Yeah. It's the Family Guy style humor. Yeah, and you know, I love all sorts of movies, you know, different genres, 
But I do love to have movies where I don't really have to think about anything. Mm -hmm. I can just go, you know, roll through it, enjoy the laughs, and get to the end where nothing's really wrong. You know, everything more or less works out at the end. I don't feel any which way. It's just, okay, cool. You, you want to buy the ticket, take the ride, and, and see where the movie goes? Exactly. Yeah. And and not regret the ride. Exactly. And see, see, here's my question. Here's my question. So, do you think this movie deserved better than than what people said about it? Or do you think it was just a unfortunate instance of it being released in one of the most stacked years in cinema? I'm going to say yes to both. You're going to say it deserved more and probably should have, should have been changed its release date? Yeah, because all the movies that you listed earlier that came out in 98, huge movies. You, you know Mulan came out that year? Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 98 was stacked, people. Yeah, so it's like, I don't remember seeing this advertised. Again, 98 was a long time ago, so it's yeah. it's hard to remember every movie trailer that you see, you know, that comes out for every year, but I don't remember this ever being advertised. I don't remember ever seeing any commercials. I mean, the movie cost $30 million, and I think Oof. it pulled in six. Ooh. Yeah, it was that kind of bomb. Rough. Yeah, and I can imagine this movie... I, which is weird because I would have figured okay you have you have Christopher Guest as a director yeah you have Matthew Perry height of his friends fame mm -hmm. Chris Farley posthumously you know mm. just passed yeah but was considered a, a bankable comedy star definitely you have a supporting cast that includes oh what what's his name he's your favorite actor from American Pie Guy Levy Eugene Levy Eugene Levy <laughs> sorry he plays Guy Fontenot the Guy. crazy Guy Fontenot the Guy crazy Fontenot. Frenchman <laughs> yes that guy. <laughs> And you, you have, like, a really solid supporting cast. Yeah. This movie, on paper, sounds like it should it should work. Yeah. On paper, it sounds like it should have been, like, maybe not a huge success, but it should have made its money back. It should have made something. It should have made more than, what was it, $6 million? Uh, Yeah, more than $6 million. Yeah, it should have made more than that back. But I think it just had a lot of things stacked up against it. You had, you know, Armageddon and Saving Private Ryan in the same, move, or in the same year where it's, like, forget about you know, trying to advertise any movie in that yeah. year, go up against those. And uh, then you also, also have... This also came out in May, which is the... We're going to release, like, The Truman Show the same week. We're going to release... Oh, you know what else got released in May, boo? Hmm. Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, it was one of those kind of months. It was one of those things where maybe they should have held off on, you know, dropping the movie at a certain time. And also, Chris Farley passed away before the movie came 90, out. 97. He passed away in 97. This movie was released in 98. He completed mm -hmm. principal photography. So everything that was shot for the film was shot, and then he, he passed after. So you you also have that, too, with, mm -hmm. you know, one of the stars passed away from the film. So I think it's kind of mixed. You know, we've seen, like, with uh, Rebel Without a Cause, when James Dean passed away right before the movie came out, tons of people flocked to go see it, but they also didn't have a premiere out of respect to him. So. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things where, okay, our star, one of our stars passed away. What do we do? What's the right thing to do? And I think since they probably took a quieter approach, maybe that's why it didn't really get that much notoriety. Which seems so weird because, I, I this is weird because this is probably the most serious discussion we've had about the dumbest movie. Yes. But, like the movie has heart. To me, it has heart. And it does have some legitimate laughs. It's dumber. It's dumber than shit. Dumber than shit. 
but I do enjoy some dumb, dumb funny every once in a while. Me too. And I want to say it, it deserved better, but it probably was it. Even if Chris Farley lived in this had, and this was in another timeline where mm-hmm. this movie just got released and it wasn't in like, and it got released in like 97. Yeah. Right. Chris Farley's still alive, whatever. I still feel this movie probably would have been a failure. I think it. I, yeah. I think critically, it probably would have been pretty bad. It probably would have made a little bit more money. It probably would have made like its budget back. Maybe it probably would have made like instead of six million, it probably would have made like sixty million. Yeah. Like that was that was probably the most successful run this movie could have had, right? Yeah. I mean, I still love it. It's yeah. Still, it's still you know gets. I, I basically just like watching Chris Farley movies. Yeah, you know, it may not be an award-winning movie, but there are people out there that do enjoy it. And, you know, at least play it on TV so more people can see it. And, hey, it's not going to be my favorite movie, but it's something that I'll enjoy every now and then when it comes on. Mm -hmm. Now, boo. Yes. We're We're going somewhere new here because you've accused me of tearing in to your films before. Oh, massively. You you've accused me of you know ruining your childhood, smashing all all the films you've ever loved. Dean Smash. Now, boo! It is your turn. Go ahead, unleash. Tell me the worst things you can think about of this movie, because I know you want to. No, I actually had a really good time with it. Really? Yeah. See, even my bad movies are better than her bad movies. I'm so good at this game. Wow, Dean being rude. Nothing uh, new. Yeah, that's my thing. But. Okay, cool. What's your favorite? What was your favorite part of the movie? Because I'm actually a little bit surprised. Because again, we were texting before this, and you were saying this is the dumbest movie you've ever made me watch. That was when I watched the trailer. Yes, I remember when you watched the trailer, and you were very like not okay with having to watch <laughs> this. I, there were some words spoken that I was a little bit offended about. Um, no, there weren't. There goes Dean making up more things again. But what would you think is my favorite thing in this movie? Well, I mean, I remember you telling me something about some uh, chocolate or plum pudding and some sheep. That's only because I told you. Yeah, I know, but, but it is funny. But prior to that, was there anything that you thought, oh, that's what's going to get her or that's what's going to, you know, steal Honestly, the movie? I thought you would have hated the whole fucking thing and you would have come in and been like, Dean, uh, this is the end of the podcast. I can't fucking believe this. Good day. I sat through the racer head. This is the last straw. I thought no. that was what's going to happen. No, and it didn't. It, it turned out to be positive. All right. But yeah, my favorite scene was the campfire scene, which is night one of when the men all go to start their journey to the West Coast, and they're sitting around having a campfire because Chris Farley tells Matthew Perry, hey, the, the men are you know not feeling really... Really into this. Into this, and they're not really feeling a connection with you, so I think you need to go out there and... Be part of the team. Rally the men. Mm-hmm. So they go around and they start to tell stories around the campfire because that's what we do when we're outdoors camping or have nothing better to do. Yeah. We tell stories. Yeah. And one of the men <laughs> starts telling a story about how in the previous summer, him and his brother were on their uncle's farm and there were some pies being made and he decided to put a couple pieces of sheep feces into this plum pie. And proceeds to tell his brother, I think you should sample the pie. And, you know, everyone's face in the circle kind of just, not everyone. There's some people who think this is hilarious and other people are kind of like, are you kidding me where you're going with this? Surrogates for the audience. Yes. So I'm part of those people that are like, oh my god, is he going to say that his brother ate shit? And he goes, so my brother ate, you know, shit pie. 
And like Chris Farley hits him, he goes, hey, tell him the best part. And he goes, oh, well, the best part is I have no brother. I ate the shit pie. And he just laughs and laughs. And I lost it. I was just like, bruh, you ate shit. And then you proceeded to tell everybody that you ate shit. Yeah. And it also took me back to like you and your brother, Randy. Like, this is something that you guys would do to each other. No, no, we've never done that. You would do it. God, no. That sounds cruel. I've heard some of the pranks that you've pulled on your brother. They haven't been exactly friendly. They've been pretty cruel. Yeah, it happens. But what what was your favorite part apart from, you know, shit pie? Oh, shit pie was not exactly my favorite. One of my favorites is when um, Chris Farley is telling the, the team about all the dangerous animals they could encounter in the woods. You know, I saw a badger jump out of the woods and eat a man's face. And he makes fucking noises, and he's mm-hmm. generally just being over the top and eating the scenery with a yeah. side of bacon. And then they see a squirrel in the woods, oh, and like, oh my god, it's a squirrel. And they start shooting it, and blah, blah, blah. From the boat. From the boat. There's, like, cannons involved. They're loading muskets. They're blasting, because all the men are freaked out. Yeah. And they're like, wait, guys, wait, wait. It's just a squirrel. It's fine. And He's like, got something in his hand. Yes, they calm down for a second. Somebody else, it's got something in his hand, and they go back to shooting it. And it's just, it's so dumb. It's so so dumb but i laugh every time i mean i really thought it was gonna be um what's the character's name that's always getting hurt oh big well big well i I thought it was gonna be to hell and back sir i thought it was gonna be him you know either getting attacked by the bear getting shot oh god we're we're getting his ear ripped off where where they're just like big well don't move the, if you move, the bear's gonna kill you. And he's like, but I got an itchy nose, sir. I don't know which worse. The bear had the itchy nose. And he goes and itches his nose, and the bear comes over and grabs and drags him in the woods, and he, his last words, the thing he yells out, the bear's worse. The bear's definitely worse. <laughs> I mean, good. itchy nose is pretty rough. When you can't scratch it. Is it as worse as a bear? After seeing this movie, definitely. A bear's worse. Bear's worse. We've learned something today. We have learned something. I mean, we we've also learned that you know, if you talk through a decapitated ear, that person can't hear through it. I'm... it it's, you know, it's people like this that, you know, way back in the day, tried out these experiments and taught us so much now. They did. They did. So, Boo, I guess the, the last question I have for you, who's the dumbest character in this movie? Because they're all dumber and shit. But who's the dumbest? Who's the king of the dummies? The guy that was married to the scarecrow wife. Oh God! I don't. Even... She's been burned. <laughs> She's made of straw. I, that's probably why she went up so good. But no, it's so. Oh my God, that guy. Because he's also the, the ear, he's also the ear guy, right? Yeah, I don't even know his name. I don't think he, his character has a name. He's just crazy, like frontier dude, with his straw wife, his severed ear. Well, not his severed ear. His it's it's big, Bidwell's. Big Bidwell's well severed ear that yes. he's trying to communicate through. And then you hear Bidwell yelling in the, the distance. He goes and tells Matthew Perry, I told you it works. Uh, it's it just ma- like... <sighs> but I, so I, fucking dumb. It's dumb, but it's funny. Just like when Matthew Perry's character is teaching Chris Farley how to read. This is an uppercase A. Okay, I think I got it. This is a lowercase A. Wait, what? There's a... Yeah, what are you trying to do? Make my head explode? He starts, you know, typical Chris Farley's pulling his hair. He's, you know, just Go using... Zero to a hundred. He's becoming bigger than the scenery because just with his movements, he's just taking over the space. And, you know, 
giving us basically, uh, you know, the Stella, you're, you're, you're tearing me apart, you know, that really action. And it took me back to when my mom was teaching me how to read. And that's very much how I was. It was just, you know, my brain's gonna explode. So I'm sorry, mom. I know it was not an easy chore teaching me to read. But yeah, this movie really took me back to a lot of things. Yes, you've connected to this movie emotionally. And Eugene Levy with his eyebrow gang, or game. So much eyebrows. So much eyebrows. I'm part of that, you know, chain. I've got big eyebrows, too. It's a proud badge of honor. You know, it is a proud badge of honor. The movie we're going to be watching next week on the podcast. Are you excited about it? I am very excited about it, because this is going to be our first superhero film on the podcast. It's going to be our first Marvel film on the podcast. It is. So, next week, to continue with our cinematic um, tribute month, we are going to be doing Captain America, the first Avenger. Ah, yes. The most America of of cinematic American heroes. Which I really thought you would have picked for 4th of July week. I You love Captain America? I liked my pick. My pick was good. And I think my pick after Captain America is going to be better. Maybe, but, you know, we are going to be saluting America's ass next week. Captain America, you got a good butt. Sorry. I love you, but I'm sorry. Ah, uh, my God. So, do you want to plug your other channels before we well, call it a quits? I think I should, because if you would like to listen to this podcast and any of our other podcasts, namely my Double Feature podcast or the Too Obscure for TV podcast, you can check those out on our YouTube channel, In The Frame. We post everything up there. Sometimes we post other stuff. Feel free to go and check it out. Miss Boo, where else could they find us? Well, apart from In The Frame, you could find us on, you know, platforms like Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and just about anywhere. We keep, you know, landing in different uh, platforms. So, you know, if you search for us, you will find us. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Film Club Podcast. And with that, Miss Boo, see you next week. We'll see you at The Film Club.